Hi, everyone. I'm Britt, and I use she, they pronouns. And I'm Mac, and I use she, her pronouns. And welcome to Sunday School, a conversation on pleasure, intimacy, connection, and the messiest yet most beautiful parts of life from two friends who grew up in a conservative culture like Salt Lake City, Utah. We started this conversation together and with you because we found that healing happens when you process in community. So by sharing our stories and journeys, we hope that it'll create some space for you and your expansion into the magical, full human that you are and are becoming. So we're going to open our conversation with a grounding moment like we do every Sunday or every other Sunday, because that's when we release. (laughs) So wherever you are, go ahead and find some space within yourself. Maybe that looks like stillness or maybe just more slowness and deliberation with whatever you're doing. You can close your eyes if that feels good and just take a stabilizing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And check in with your body. Notice where you may be holding tension. Don't try to fix it, just notice. And take another deep breath through your nose into that tension. Hold it with tenderness. And as you exhale, allow yourself to soften. Take one more stabilizing breath. And whenever you're ready, you can return. And let's get into it. All right. We have a super special treat for everybody today. We have a guest starring on our podcast today. Our dear, dear, dear beloved friend of the podcast, Phoenix Johnson. Welcome to Sunday School, Phoenix. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here and be part of it. (laughs) So cool to be on it after listening. We're cheesing so hard. I'll also say that Phoenix was like, a key part to launching this podcast in the first place. The first day we released our first episode, um, we also held a party in Salt Lake and Phoenix held it the fuck down for us. Mac and I were like, (laughs) 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 oh my God. Well, we will tell the story of our friendship shortly, but Phoenix, do you want to just take a moment to introduce yourself and tell the people, the congregation a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Phoenix. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am 25 years old, lived in Utah. I wasn't born and raised here, but I've lived here my entire adult life Mm -hmm. since I was 18. I love the outdoors. I love these two. And I love talking about my feelings and definitely (laughs) can be an over communicator. So I am happy to be part of this and go through this process. I met Mac mm-hmm. in college. We worked together at a gear shop guiding service at yeah. our college. And we went through, our work is really cool. We did like a lot of rock climbing trainings mm-hmm. and caving. 
And then we just both happened to get assigned as the like go-to caving guides. Yep. So we would always be taking people through these caves. Mm-hmm. It was an intense experience. It was really easy it to was. get lost in those caves. But I would say when I think of me and Max's friendship, I talked her into going to Barcelona with me for New <laughs> Year's on a study abroad with my Spanish class. Because uh, Mac was not in Spanish I class. I did not know but any I did, Spanish. I didn't know anyone on the study abroad. And so I was like, please come with me. And you were a senior. And so you got a scholarship. And I was like, you get a scholarship. They'll pay for you to go. Mm-hmm. And so then we just really bonded on that trip yeah. and just spent like every second together and and so I feel like we made that connection together. Yeah. Plus and everyone else on the trip was Mormon. <laughs> everyone <laughs> else much. on the trip was Mormon. Yeah. I cannot be the only non-Mormon there. Like I wanted, I was 20 at the time. Yeah. So I couldn't legally, legally drink in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So Mac actually bought me my first legal drink in Barcelona. Oh my God. Like, oh. Drink a sangria. <laughs> and then I feel, I feel really bad, but I definitely mm-hmm. like chugged that sangria first thing on my stomach. And it was like, soaked in fruit and yeah. went and throw up threw up oh. in a urinal and then well so- it's not europe if you don't throw up in a urinal <laughs> but it, yeah destiny. it was so great yeah it, it was, was really nice to have like a girlfriend there because i mean like i said like i wasn't in spanish class these were some of your peers i didn't know anybody but you and i was just like happy to be along for the ride i had like i had left the country before but it was so exciting to go to spain which i had never been to and be there with a friend that we just got to like go explore this like crazy cool city together yeah that was like a i think a pinnacle in our friendship that brought us closer together um walking drunkenly through the streets of barcelona at like 3 a.m <laughs> and so i think um that definitely took our friendship to the next level yeah but at that point i was in a uh, a toxic relationship mm-hmm. where my female friendships got pushed to the side, especially female friends who were honest about what I was going through mm. and were going to point things out to me that he necessarily didn't mm. want pointed out to me. Yeah. So at that point, I really lost contact with a lot of female friends. And then McKenna graduated and moved. And then I graduated, got out of that relationship and bounced around a lot. And ended up in another serious relationship. Um, it was a great, healthy relationship, but just due to life circumstances, we had to end it. Mm-hmm. And um, I lived in a small town. We were actually engaged, and I just couldn't be in that small town anymore. And so I, McKenna came to mind, and we hadn't really been close for a long time or talked mm-hmm. in a while. But mm-hmm. I think I called you the day after we broke up. And, yeah. And you were like, move up here. Yeah. <laughs> In that phone call, uh, that was the first time I heard your name, Britt. Yeah, and she mentioned that you were thinking about coming out to Salt Lake Mm -hmm. and that you were currently in New York and she really wanted us to meet. I quit my job the next week and McKenna got me a job at her company (laughs) that she worked at. And, um, and then I came up here. So whenever mm-hmm. anybody asks why I moved to Salt Lake, I say my best friend. <laughs> and then through McKenna, I met you, Britt, uh, that first lunch date that we all went to on Ninth and Night. Yep. And yeah, and then since then, I've just been part of this mm-hmm. like ongoing, like beautiful conversation that you guys have been initiating and our little group text. And it's so weird, Brett, we've only ever been in person like a couple times, but I talk to you every day. <laughs> and so yeah, and so since then, so much like out of like this really sad, like just this like life kind of happens to you moment that I had, mm-hmm. I have had so much growth and I've 
dealt with it in such a healthy way and it's just because of you guys and mm. that's why I'm so excited to be here because I just really believe in what you two are doing. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It's really lovely to watch you two talk to each other over Zoom and I do have a little FOMO, but I also love just like how much love radiates in our friend group because Phoenix, I feel like you and I were such fast friends. Like, I feel like I've known you all my life. You know, there's nothing I – probably nothing I wouldn't tell you or share with you. Yeah, I would, like, bear my whole life for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's so special. And I forget sometimes how how rare that is in friendships. I've been thinking a lot about just, like, how sacred friendships are, especially Mm -hmm. as I'm spending the winter in San Diego and I'm, like, completely alone. (laughs) I'm just like, God, I miss my people. And I really miss you two a lot because – I I have I've had the the luck to have some really awesome friendships in my life, but I think this friend group is really special because of the way that we're able to connect over really tender topics like relationships and intimacy and the growth that we're all going through. And I think we're all in such similar places in our lives too. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I'm just really grateful. <laughs> I know, I'm like getting emotional. <laughs> Only you guys can see me, but I, I was tearing up when you were talking about <laughs> your relationship. Fuck. Well, let's get into weekly updates <laughs> before we start crying too much. We'll cry more later. Uh, we're all water signs. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot has really happened this week, but I've been thinking a lot and reflecting a lot in some things. Like I said, I've been in San Diego by myself for a couple, three-ish weeks now, almost a month, and it's been hard. Like, I've been having a hard time. And I think I'm trying to find the balance between, like, when is time that I need to really recharge and be alone and reflect because that's really important to me. And also, when do I need to be around people? And I think it's been really hard to be in this city where I don't know anybody. I like have no community here. And and on top of that, something I always also wanted to like unpack with you two is this idea that we have to be alone to find ourselves. Like we have to take time off to like reflect and find ourselves. And I think that's totally valid, but I was also thinking about it. And I feel like sometimes I find myself most when I'm with other people. Like I I find myself in relationship with other people. Like when I'm out in the world and I'm interacting with people and like I can see in real time how I show up to certain situations. And I think that's really, that that's a, a process that I've undervalued for quite some time. Um, so yeah, being alone is kind of overrated sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I've dreamed about this life for so long, this like nomadic, like traveling and moving to a new city where I don't know anybody. And now I'm like finally living it. And I'm like, wow, this is a dream, but also it's really fucking hard. Like yeah, this yeah. is hard shit. Thank yeah, you for sharing that. Absolutely. Thanks. Well, I would love to go into my weekly update just right off of yours because it it definitely has to do with a lot of like the self-discovery alone slash with other people. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I'll start with the biggest thing I have to update is that I have been delving into and exploring the world of asexuality. Ooh. Yeah. And 
it's it's been something that's been on my mind for a long time and i've never wanted to identify myself as asexual because like the webster's dictionary definition of asexual is someone who does not have sexual desires and that's not true to me that's i don't connect with that whatsoever but especially in talking to phoenix and you and, and like other people about you know their sexual drive i've always felt a little different in that way of just like how i perceive my own sexual drive i guess mm. and i'm still trying to put words to this so forgive me listeners that i'm just like very i, I still am working on how to word this to myself it, it all sparked from a fucking tiktok of, of course some ace uh person talking about how they see sexuality and i was like a light bulb went off and i was like oh so asexuality doesn't mean that you don't have any sex drive don't like sex they definitely can mean that and it's it's like everything else it's a spectrum Mm. and there's so many different sides to this spectrum of like there's like sex repulsed people who just like think sex is disgusting never want anything to do with it and then there's just like a disinterest and then there's like a very sex positive side to asexuality but what i like about it and what i identify with when it comes to asexuality is I do have a sexual drive. It is just not connected to a person. Mm. And I don't always need to do anything about it with a person or with my vibrator. Like I, I was really thinking about it and like, it was like the week before my period and I always get kind of horny. It has never been like, oh, I need to go hook up with somebody. It's just like, oh, I could just masturbate and get this over with and then I'll be fine. Or sometimes I don't always have to do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just have to, I just am like, oh yeah, I'm horny. And I recognize that. And then I just go on with my day. Mm. And um, this also goes into what happened last night. Phoenix and I have a juicy story. Okay. um, I'll kind of start with... um, we got dressed up. We, mm-hmm. we, Phoenix was dressed as Ariana Grande and I dressed up as Miley Cyrus, specifically Wrecking Ball Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> but we went out to the Sun Trap, which is this notorious gay bar in Salt Lake. And we just went with the intention that we wanted to dance and we wanted to be in a space in the queer community mm-hmm. that we felt very safe. And then things started to pick up. We, they started like pumping fog into the dance floor and we just went and it was just me and Phoenix and like one other group of like people dancing and just like started dancing. And Phoenix two years ago wouldn't have been the first person on the dance floor, yeah. by the way. And then I always just like was very insecure about like dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I was like worried about like what I looked like and it was a performative thing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think going to the sun trap lately has been a really cool thing for me that like dancing is for me Mm. and not like a performance for those around me (laughs) (laughs) and I think honestly it's because you two are so in a movement I've been so like the only time I really feel connected with my body that way is during sex Mm. like during sex I feel like I just move for me but like I I had a hard time bringing that like out of the bedroom 
Yeah. And so yeah. that was really cool just to be like the Yay. first people on the dance floor was a cool thing. Yeah. Like. And that's when things started to pick up. It's like we were dancing and then the next minute the dance floor was like fucking packed. Mm-hmm. This all relates back to what I was talking about with asexuality. Um, at one point we found this, we ended up dancing with this other group of people. Yeah. And we were dancing with them. It was like so cool just to be like welcomed into their group. And Phoenix and I both danced with two girls when i say dance with them like i made eye contact with phoenix at one point and she was grinding on a nun mm. and i was grinding on this devil and it <laughs> that was, was the best part so is that i was with a nun and she was with a devil <laughs> <laughs> that's not the most sunday school shit you've heard today i, I don't know what it is. and so yeah that's uh that's my weekly update that it will spill into phoenix but i made out with a girl last night <laughs> I've always been attracted to women. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my first crush in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, my first female crush, I should say. I am also attracted to men. Right now, I'm right now I'm using the word pansexual. I go back and forth between pan and queer. I don't really identify with bi because I really, uh, I really like people who are just like fuck gender, and yeah, so bi doesn't really like click with me. Um, but I have been a serial monogamist who participates in compulsive heterosexuality. So I self-awareness, we love like it. <laughs> make out with a girl like that wasn't like her trying to get someone's attention or like friends like kissing goodbye. Like I, I made out with this girl because I thought she was hot and she thought I was hot. And then we left the dance floor and we were saying it was super cool. And that's yeah. what, and we walked away and I was like, I'm gonna like go. And she was like, That's okay. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And just, like, to feel that she didn't feel, like, any ownership or expectation out of me after that. Like, that she did not expect me to stay with her all night. It was it was really cool. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I'd like to say that, like, that was such a big deal because, or in the past when I've danced with some rando dude at a club, then it's there's, like, the expectation of, like, oh, you're coming home with me tonight. You're or, tied to them all night. Yeah, you make eye contact, and theirs. all of a sudden, you know, I'm already planning in my head the conversation of, I don't want to go home with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have to do that. I just felt like it's a safe space to express sexual desire, because going off of, like, what McKenna said, I feel like I'm the exact opposite. Like, I have, I love sex. And like, I, I love first kisses and I love the, are we going to, and I love the like feel of somebody else's skin on mine. And I love touching someone and I love someone touching me. And for me being able to orgasm and being able to have sex with someone are two different needs. Mm. Like being able to touch someone. I don't necessarily like, I have a sex drive and i like I like to orgasm obviously it is a pleasurable (laughs) experience but I also like to just be with someone and if I can kill two birds with one stone like great (laughs) but sometimes I can't and that's okay um on that note was like with my newly found asexuality um I like loved that I was grinding and dancing with this like really gorgeous girl like she was very beautiful and like even when we were making out I was like this is great but I was like, I could not be doing this and I'd be having just a great as time. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was just like, I could tell she wanted to and she wanted me, which is a big turn on for me because I just want people to want me. <laughs> and, uh, but then like when we were making out, she definitely was the one initiating all of it because I could have just done none of it and still been 
Mm-hmm. And so that was also like, even while I was making out with her and dancing with her, I was like, this is great, but I don't need this. Oh my God, asexuality. And it was like, that was like going through my head while I'm making out with a girl <laughs> on a dance floor. <laughs> and so it was really cool to like have done some research and like newly like found this thing that I'm identifying with and then to go put it into practice and just be like very aware of my feelings. It was just like, it really gave me like a lot of more um, confidence in identifying as, you know, a form of asexuality. Well, I, I think that language is so limiting for the human experience and the point of using a label like asexuality or pansexuality or queer is for us and to help us settle into what we're feeling. And like, it can always change and evolve because language is always changing and evolving. At least it should be because the human experience is fucking messy. Mac, I really appreciate you sharing where you're at in your journey so vulnerably because it sounds like it's still like in process and it's really supportive for me to hear your experience because listening to it, I'm like, no, I'm not asexual. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I, I'm like more like you Phoenix where like, I really like the feeling of somebody with me and it's very different from like making myself orgasm and both are great. Um, but I could have sex with somebody and like not come (laughs) and, and it's also still fine. Um, so yeah, it's just cool to have this space to talk to each other about our experiences because I think it's helpful to hear ourselves in another person's story, but it's just as helpful to not hear ourselves and be like, oh yeah, okay, that's not me. That's not me. And that's sort of, I can take that to segue into like my separate weekly update. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause after this whole experience mm-hmm. and I had an anxiety attack bit last night because something happened in my life that's going to have even less intimacy but it, it's good news. I got my dream job yesterday. I got offered my dream job as like a park ranger naturalist. So it's what I went to school for. And it's a head of education of a, a beautiful park and a beautiful place. Right now we work for kind of a little bit of corporate America, which I've been having a hard time with. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hippie and me we wanting had to yell, fuck the it. man. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just really excited to have me and everyone in the organization, including like my future boss's boss's boss was excited to have me. And so it's somewhere that I feel really desired, but it does require moving again. So I, I'm going to cry. I have to leave McKenna. <laughs> yeah, I left. I left a partner in Moab who I cared deeply about and was a really great partner to you mm-hmm. and you. And I had another partners here. Close, but I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. And yeah. so when you were talking about being alone in San Diego, I was like, because that's, I'm going to get a place and I'm going to live by myself. I'm going to have my family close. I'll see them sometimes. And I do have friends there. Yeah. And I do love them. And I think they're beautiful people. But it's it's not this. Work is going to be great. I know I'm going to love it. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm worried about adjusting to my personal life. I'm excited. But I think some emotions are going to come up about my breakup. And a lot of emotions are going to come up about you guys. And yeah. it's going to be hard. This week, we are going to church on birth control, and uh, we each have our own stories when it comes to our experiences with birth control, 
And we thought this would be a really interesting conversation to bring Phoenix in on because it's cool how we're both at different stages in our journeys with birth control. So Phoenix, do you want to lead us off into this? Yeah. So I got on the pill when I was 18. It was just, it was just what you did. And then I got in a serious relationship with someone who not sure how I feel about children, but that was not, that was not a safe place to be having kids. And I was worried just about like the consistency with taking the pill and that sort of thing. And then small disclaimer, I hear he's done like a lot of healing and I hope that's true. We're not part of each other's life. Um, but so nothing I say is like, is, is to condemn, cause him any harm. Yeah. Or condemn him or make people think any differently about him. It's just what happened. And a lot of what happened in our relationship tied into a lot of how birth control affected me. Mm. When you guys were young. We were, yeah, I was young. Yeah, I was in college and um, he was a bit older than me and I uh, got an IUD and um, I got a hormonal IUD and not the copper one. What was your decision to switch from the pill to IUD? That was because A, I didn't have to worry about slipping up Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. IUD. Like it was just in and I didn't have to worry about it. I, um was starting to not take very good care of myself. Like in retrospect, I can see that and not keeping up with daily things, like not eating enough, not drinking enough water, forgetting to take my pill. Yeah. Which happens when you're in a toxic relationship. Yeah. And so I just got, I was getting to a place where I was really forgetful. Um, and it was because I was nervous. Um, Mm -hmm. I was in a state of nervousness all of the time, Mm -hmm. which made me super forgetful. So I just wasn't on top of taking the pill, Mm -hmm. did not want to get pregnant and thought, okay, here we go. Like, don't have to take a pill don't have to worry about it for seven years. So I got an IUD and, um, painful, painful experience. Mm. Like it was a very, very short pain, but I would say it's in the top three of most physical pain I've ever been in in my life. Well, and for people listening who I work as a medical assistant and I've helped with a lot of IUD placements and basically they stick a speculum inside the vagina, inside the vaginal canal and open it up so when you look in you can see the cervix which is like what opens up and the baby comes out of but it's teeny tiny it's this tiny teeny little like sphincter and they have to dilate it open it up and stick the iud up into the cervix into the uterus and it's extremely painful and it's dilate. done without any anesthesia. Yeah. They told me to take 600 milligrams of ibuprofen. Yeah. Which is what I take when I have a headache. So yeah, so I got it. It was very painful. Um, and things went pretty downhill from there. Oh, no. I had horrible, horrible physical symptoms. Mm. Um, I always have had migraines uh, since I was 18. Migraines to the point where I get really, really nauseous. And it's not necessarily that I can't like work through the pain it's that I can't get away from a toilet because I'm barfing all day and they really shot through the roof when I got the IUD and then my emotions which were already really unbalanced because I was not in a safe emotional place went through the roof Mm -hmm. and um, that's what kicked off my depression I had like a year or two where I was really depressed and it started when I got the IUD Mm -hmm. Um, and I was I just remember like hysterically sobbing and I would get these cramps that were, um, they were contractions. They weren't cramps. I started, I got, I got mild contractions because I've never had a kid before. And my uterus was like, oh, there's a thing in here. 
Oh, you know, no. We normally get We're going to get it out. out. <laughs> and when I say like getting it was in the top three, those contractions were probably in the top two. Like I would like lay in bed and like, like almost pass out and like get like so oh, nauseous God. from pain. And this partner that I w- was with was really not super sympathetic. And so I was just really, really depressed, but I really did not want to be in a place where I could accidentally get pregnant. So I dealt with it. Uh, How long did you have it in for in total? I think I had it for eight or so months because the doctors tell you to have it in for like three or four to like let your hormones settle. And then also I would, I am very active. I get, I, I run at the time I was really into climbing. I was really into yoga. And so I was also just didn't like having like something in me. Yeah. Like, and I heard all these things about it going through the uterine wall, which I would like to say that does happen to people, but mm-hmm. it's like, there's a lot of people who are really happy with their IUD. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and so I was just like, not very happy with it. Um, so I got it out and got back on the pill. Um, my depression did not go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, newsflash, it went away like three weeks after I got out of that relationship. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't the IUD. So maybe it wasn't yeah. the IUD. Uh, <laughs> and so then I got back on the pill um, and then I was single for a while and, then I got into my most recent relationship and it was really stable and we weren't very sure about kids, but we were in a place where if an accident happened, um, I felt confident in our ability to talk about whether or not we were keeping it well mm-hmm. and be on the same page and making sure both of us were emotionally supported in that process. And he was also very much, I think in his exact words, he says, I feel like this is 95% your decision and 5% mm-hmm. my decision. So we made the decision together um, that I was going to get off of birth control. And so I downloaded, and I want to say this is not a sponsored ad. I downloaded natural cycles. And so basically after you ovulate your temperature spikes. Mm -hmm. And so I take my temperature every morning, um, except after mornings I drink, (laughs) 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 which isn't a lot for me. So I would say if you're a heavy drinker, this might not be the way to go because that does affect your temperature. And then I take, uh, ovulation tests which Mm. tests for a hormone that spikes before you ovulate. Mm. And I track my cycle and I get days that I know that it is possible for me to get pregnant because you're only ovulating for about 48 to 72 hours and sperm can live in the vagina for five days. So you have about a week to two week period where it's the danger zone. And outside of that, you can't get pregnant. This app is approved by the FDA. It's 99.9% effective when used correctly, Mm -hmm. which is just as effective as condoms. Mm -hmm. Um, I think more effective than condoms and just as effective as the pill. When used correctly, this is easier to mess up. And it doesn't prevent STIs. And it does not prevent STIs. And I've been off of it for almost a year now. And um, I have not had a single migraine where I've had a college, which is the first time in my adult life where that hasn't been like a problem where I've been worried about my work performance. And also my sex drive went through the roof, (laughs) through the roof. I have so many less days where I feel like crap. Like Mm -hmm. I feel, I just feel a lot better. I feel less mood swings. And so it's just been really cool being really in sync with my body. So with, um, with my journey with birth control, uh, I also started taking the pill when I was like 16, 17 years old, not to prevent pregnancy. Cause I was not having sex. I was not having like P in the V sex at the time, but I got on it to regulate my breakouts. I, I I'm, if I remember right, I think I did it cause I did get pretty bad cramps. Um, and that was just like, my mom was like, we got to get you on birth control. And that was just what you did. That's what you did. Yes. I was going to say that's just yeah. like, 
what you do as an adult woman. Bad acne, you get on birth control. You have bad cramps, you get on birth control. Yep. You have mood swings, you get on birth control. Yeah. You have a lot of pain instead of being like, oh, maybe you have endometriosis. Ah, here's some. No, birth here's control. here, have some yeah. birth control. <laughs> and so I did the pill because I think at the time the IUD didn't exist when we were first getting on, you know, birth control, there was, um, you know, condoms, obviously the pill was like the next option. And so I just did that. Um, my, uh, period symptoms and, uh, they got way more under control. I like hardly ever had a cramp. I don't think I would get bad mood swings. If you asked my shitty ex-boyfriend, he probably would say like, oh, she's on her period. She's a bitch. But I mean, you know, that but that's misogyny, good. not hormones. That's misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's sexism. I was pretty confident in my ability to take the pill. I was really consistent with it, but <laughs> I chose to get off of the pill. Um, honestly, after hearing Phoenix's journey with being off birth control, um, I got off of it after getting out of this last relationship. And so if all our listeners remember a few episodes back on this podcast, I talked about visiting my helicopter boy in Bend, Oregon. That was like back over the summer. I mean, it's like October now, but I had planned that I was going to take my birth control, go visit him in Bend, fuck a lot, and then come <laughs> back and stop taking the birth control. And it's been interesting. I've had like two periods since I stopped taking it. Um, the first one was rough. It was really rough. I remember with my first period since getting off birth control, I had like terrible, terrible lower back pain. And I was like, did I do something? Like I was, I was thinking I like threw out my back. It was so bad. And then I was like, what is going on? I started panicking. And then my period starts the next day. And I also got on natural cycles. Thanks to Phoenix. I got my little thermometer. I take my temperature every morning. And, and one of the symptoms that you can, you can click like a symptom that you're feeling. And one of them was back pain. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped panicking. Cause then the next day the back pain just miraculously went away. And so, yeah, now that's a symptom I deal with. And yeah, like you said, Phoenix, I really loved the journey of just like getting to know my body in its natural state without being without hormones being pumped through it without you know having to alter it in some way i i just really love the idea of my body working on its own natural cycle <laughs> and then yeah just coming from someone who like works in like land and protection and environmental mm. like stuff birth control is really bad for the environment those hormones do go through your body they do stay in your urine they do end up in our water stream and they are, are causing infertility in fish just what yeah. Shit. So just <laughs> save the fish. Save it for the planet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, that's my journey. <laughs> it's cool to hear both of your stories because I feel like I'm getting this really special peek into the future. <laughs> I'm like the last one of the three of us to get off birth control. I stopped taking my pill about a month ago. So I have yet to have my first period off the pill. Mm. And um, when I stopped taking it, I had a lot of anxiety because I was like, should I be doing something else? Like, should I prep? Or like, do I just stop? Like, it's kind of insane because yeah. I've taken this, I've taken the pills for a decade. I went on it when I was around 16. Um, 
I don't really remember if there was like a specific reason. I think it was because I was like starting to become sexually active. And also a lot of the women in my family went on it very early because we, my dad's side of the family has like fertility issues. And so it just kind of helps, um, it helps the women in my family regulate their hormones better, which is also a really great advantage of birth control. It's not all about preventing pregnancy. Like there's a lot of benefits to it. So like obviously no shade on birth control. Um, so I had been taking it for, for 10 years and I don't remember what my period was like before I started taking them, but my period has always been really easy. Like on the dot, three, four days max, never that heavy, no pains. Maybe I get a little moody, but like I'm already pretty moody and emotional. So who knows what that is? Um, So I've always considered myself super lucky, but in the past like year or so, I've started to feel a little bit like icky for lack of a better term around my period. Like I still don't get pains, but I will feel it a little bit more in my uterus. And I just notice my, the changes in my body and my mental state a lot more. And I think that's also a result of me just becoming like a more spiritual in tune with my body kind of person. And so I was already thinking about getting off of it once I turned 26 because they would also lose insurance at that time. And I'm not really sure. I still don't know what my insurance situation is. So I was like, well, fuck it. Like, it's just, it'll be easier for me to be off of it. And I want to know what my body is like without this daily dose of hormones that I've been taking for 10 years. Like, I just don't know what my body's like without it. And, um, you two were really inspiring for that process. I'm also on natural cycles. I also <laughs> take my temperature every morning, though I'm not very good at it because I'm a snoozer. But I'm excited to see how things unfold over the next few months. Like, fingers crossed, my period continues to be pretty easy. Um, the one thing I am worried about is unwanted pregnancy because I am fucking people with penises right now. <laughs> <laughs> But I also am kind of looking forward to just like having that standard of like, no, we got to use a condom because I don't know you that well and I'm, I don't want to get pregnant. And um, when I was on the pill, I was very like lackadaisical about condom use because I don't love condoms and I really love the feeling of someone coming inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, All of us are like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that'll be interesting. I don't have much more to add beyond that. I mean, I am also just like a little more anxious these days, but that could be because of personal things. Like I feel like I'm just going through so many changes right now that I just can't really tell what's what. I'm just like really yeah. in it. So maybe I'll report back in a few weeks and I'll be like, oh nope, that was the that was the menstrual cycle. But for now <laughs> I'm just kind of like trying to survive. Um I would like to just say that I think the three of us, I think I could say this for the three of us, that we're all in a pretty privileged spot that we can afford Mm -hmm. natural cycles. For sure. Um, And that we're in a spot where, like, if I had an accidental pregnancy, I live in a place that I could get an abortion and I could afford an abortion. I think that the birth control pill is really revolutionary in freeing up women from having to be mothers and freeing up people from getting, like, trapped in cycles of poverty um so i just want to say like this worked really well for me because birth control had a really bad effect for me and i know that people have really good experiences with birth control and planned parenthood and margaret sanger the founder of planned parenthood like 
really like fought hard and people died and people were arrested for our right to have access to birth control without yeah. a husband's yeah. or father's permission it's a great that it's really great that we have the choice so yeah. i do mm. want to like just shout out that as crappy as the current like birth control can make you feel and how i feel like it's over prescribed right now is also super super important in women's right. liberations Mm. yeah no thank you so much for saying saying that that. i'm just really grateful that i have friends like you two who are so thoughtful about these conversations because it's not just black and white of like birth control good or bad it's Mm. all of the conversations we have on this pod are super nuanced and like we're none of us are experts we're truly just sharing our stories in hopes that it will help other people and like bottom line is always do what's best for you and like what feels good for you and it's such a privilege to be able to think in those in that context because not everyone has that yeah yeah Yeah. I just like I'm a middle class like straight presenting white girl like I very much I very much fit like society standards of like what it means to like look like a woman Mm -hmm. and like I come from a very privileged background with like supported parents so I wanted to like call out like (laughs) the reason that I can like just make this decision willy-nilly is because of like I'm favored in society and I'm well aware of that and I want to make a point of acknowledging Mm -hmm. that's why I can just do this well let's um let's go into weekly assignments that feels good for both of you something that when I like have conversation with people meet people for the first time I really hate the like what do you do for a living like I hate that that's Mm -hmm. like one of the first questions I hate that people are defined by that so and on that I just think there's so much emphasis on like what can make you money like what are you good at and what's everyone's like find what you're good at and find a way to like monetize it my weekly assignment is find something in your life that you're bad at or that you enjoy like that you enjoy doing and it's never going to make you money it's never mm. going to make you money. It's never going to make you more popular. Like, it's never going to give you personal gain. Like, take a look at your life and make room for something that you enjoy doing and you're bad at or you enjoy doing and it's never going to make you money. Mm, I love that. Um, <laughs> well, you kind of made me think of um, an invitation. So last night when we went out, well, part of my costume of last night, uh, since I was wrecking ball Miley Cyrus, I just literally had a wife beater on that I cut into a crop top and nipple pasties and i i shared with phoenix that i was very proud of myself because mckenna from like two years ago would have never gone somewhere public without wearing a bra and the fact that i mean I was obsessed with myself last night. I'll just <laughs> and <saying. laughs> may I say, so was everybody else in the bar. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it was huge for me, just like looking at myself in the mirror with no bra, just like natural ass titties yeah, hanging yeah. out. And I just feel like it's been this like slow journey of like stepping stones into accepting my natural body. Looking at my body last night in the costume I was in. I was so comfortable with it and like stoked to go out and show and like have people look at me. And I've really come into loving that about myself. And so, yeah, my, my invitation is to look at your natural naked body in the mirror and say five nice things of what you like about it. I love that. My invitation this week is going to pull at 
a similar but different thread in these these conversations we've been having. Um, I think I said earlier that I've been taking myself to the beach this week and just kind of like laying in the sun and not doing anything. And there's always this like voice vocal track in the back of my head that's like, you should read, you should journal, maybe you should meditate, maybe you should be doing something more productive. But instead, I just like lay on the beach for hours and like roll around to different sides to get an even tan and like let my mind wander and watch people. And that's something I've never done before, uh, maybe up until this week. So uh, assignment for me is to just find like five minutes to lay down somewhere and just like let your mind wander and notice the thoughts that pass and don't do anything about them. It's Mm -hmm. fucking hard. (laughs) Okay. Is that it? Last words from anyone else? I feel wow. fucking thank, great about yeah, this. Thank you guys for bringing me on here. Yeah. This was Thanks such a cool conversation. After watching you guys put so much work into it, it's cool to be on the um, audience-facing side of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Phoenix. Well, okay, well, thanks for being here, Phoenix. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We love you. Drink water. Amen. 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 <laughs>